Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Monday, December 7th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be chatting today about week 15 of the college football season. I'll recap week 14, talk about some box score notes, talk about some power ratings adjustments, and take a look ahead here at the last week of the college football regular season for the most part. Some teams may play on the 19th. Some teams will be in their conference championship games in the, I guess we'll call it week 16 uh, next weekend. But for now, a good card for Saturday. We'll take a look at that. And I'll talk about some of the adjustments that I've made with my power ratings and my evaluations of these teams as we head on into this weekend's action. Over at ATS.io, lots of great stuff going on. As always, make sure you head on over there and check it all out. My updated college football power ratings are posted for week 15. Opening line reports for both the NFL and college football. I'll have my betting trends and tips piece, situational spots, all those kinds of things here for college football for week 15. Got to do some digging because we got to see who's up for division championships, who's up for conference championships, uh, you know, bowl berths and all those kinds of things still very much up in the air. We're down to 33 scheduled bowl games, and obviously that could change as we move forward here. It will only go down. It will not go up. So only 66 teams as of now getting to participate in a bowl game largely based on their bowl tie-ins, not necessarily on what they've done so far here for this season. So a lot of legwork to be done in terms of that situational and betting tips piece, but that will be coming your way here today over at ATS.io. Be on the lookout for college basketball content. Be on the lookout for NFL content over at the website as well, along with the updated sportsbook promotions for this week. Should be a lot of great offers here. A lot of places probably starting to roll out some holiday-themed offers as well with Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, Festivus, if you celebrate that. Uh, the holidays coming very quickly here, to say the least. Christmas two weeks from Friday. Uh, so, you know, again here, a lot of promotions probably coming your way over at ATS.io. And lastly, doing some work on the app here today, doing some more with our article integration from ATS.io into the ATS app. So maybe a little bit buggy as we make some of those adjustments, but the Against the Spread app is a bet tracker. It's got an odd screen with U.S. sports books in it, stats and odds database, all kinds of great stuff, article integration, as I mentioned. So Head to the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, search the Against the Spread app, or you can go to ATS.io on your mobile device, click on the ATS app heading, and then you'll be able to get uh, links to direct downloads for our ATS app. Again, that is a very, very useful product. Also, you can buy uh, subscriptions for the predictive model that's in there as well. So lots of stuff going on in that ATS app. And of course, as always, Lots of stuff going on over at ATS.io. Tuesday, I'll be chatting NFL with Brian Blessing. Wednesday, Kyle Hunter for a split show, college basketball and college football. Thursday, Brad Powers talking college football and the NFL. Friday, my circa picks for week 14. 4-0 in week 13 with Washington pending tonight. So hopefully get that 5-0. Hopefully start out the fourth quarter uh, with a 5-0 score. But we'll see what happens in that matchup tonight between the Steelers and Washington. All right, so with that, let's talk some college football here. And before I talk about power ratings adjustments and and some of the things that I saw from over the weekend here, I want to say this. You really have to do a lot of digging here this week 
for your college football plays. And what I mean by that is you want to find out what the coaches and what the players are saying about these games. There are a lot of programs that are probably just kind of at a breaking point here, whether it's because there's some sort of uncertainty with the head coach or something like that, or just because it's been a very long three or four months for these football teams trying to adhere to all of these protocols, trying to navigate these kids through the semester and all of that. There's been a lot of stuff going on here in college football this season. And there are some teams that just have absolutely nothing left to play for. Some teams that have everything to play for. So I don't see a ton of point spread inflation where we do have games where the two teams are in very, very different positions. But still, it is something that you want to factor into the equation here for this week in the sense that not all of these teams are going to show up ready to play. There will be some teams that get blown out. There will be some teams that say, you know, we don't want to play another game. So this week will be their last game. Maybe they show up. Maybe they don't. A lot of moving parts here with the end of the college football season. Again, the bowl picture, nowhere near as clear as that usually is. So again, a lot of intangible factors, things you can't really quantify, things that would classify maybe more as a situational handicap than anything else. Those are things that you want to factor into the equation here quite a bit in week 15. Because again, we don't know if we're going to get max efforts from some of these teams that are out there. So with that in mind, did make some adjustments here with my power ratings, some relatively big adjustments. I adjusted a lot of teams this week, just, you know, in terms of catching up a little bit from, you know, being out of town for the Thanksgiving holiday. Maybe some of my numbers were off a little bit. Um, You know, we haven't seen a whole lot of teams canceling due to COVID of late, which is pretty nice. But, you know, we've had to readjust some of their power ratings numbers, teams that maybe we lowered, teams that maybe we increased, stuff like that. So did make a lot of adjustments to the power ratings here for this week. And and some of the bigger ones, some of the more notable ones uh, in week 15, I dropped Duke five points. And and Duke is one that I've been slow to adjust on. And, And I've talked about this a lot before that, you know, teams that have quality coaches, I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt. Teams that have quality coaches or track records and reputations. You know, there's just sort of a standard for the football program at some of these universities. And David Cutcliffe has done a great job with the Duke Blue Devils. They generally overachieve relative to the personnel that they have. This season, that's not taking place. Chase Bryce has not been the answer at quarterback. Uh, This is a team that, you know, last week, when you look back at their box score, I mean, it was pathetic. Chase Bryce was 20 of 25 passing, which is good for 94 yards, which is not good. Duke, 25 of 31 passing, 121 yards. So about a little over, what's that? A little under five yards per completion. That's embarrassing. Five turnovers, four fumbles for Duke. It came to a point where I simply had to lower Duke's power rating, drop them five points. Now I'm pretty close to their number here against Florida State for this week. So an overdue adjustment with the Duke Blue Devils. But again, this is something that you run into from time to time when you're adjusting college football power ratings. You give these teams a little bit too much of the benefit of the doubt for a variety of different reasons, or you don't give a team the benefit of the doubt for a variety of different reasons. And Rice is one of them for me. I upgraded Rice five points in my power ratings this week. Maybe a better late than never adjustment, but also... This gives me a better frame of reference putting together my 2021 power ratings where I will use my end of season power ratings as a guide 
for starting to stack rank these teams. But Rice with Mike Bloomgren, they've played well. You know, they've been a very competitive football team when they've been an inferior team. And then they've been very good when they've been the better team, or at least the team on the opposition's level. This past weekend, five interceptions of Grant Wells really helped in that game. But Rice is obviously a program on the rise. So that was a big move that I had to make with them. And similarly here, I dropped Marshall four and a half points. Marshall is a team that, you know, early on in the season, they were playing really, really well. They are a negative regression candidate. And we did see that here this past weekend, but they're also one where they had some COVID issues and stuff like that. And the market lowered them. And I didn't. And we talked about it last week with Brad Powers on the show that as a general rule, it feels like we've seen about seven point adjustments to these teams that have COVID cancellations Whether that's too much or too little, they're leaving up to us to decide. We saw it with Ohio State last week, for example, where their power rating was dropped about seven points. They were way underpriced in that game against Michigan State, wound up covering the spread easily in that one. For some teams, seven points may not be enough, especially as they try to get back into it now this late in the season, Marshall being one of those teams that I did drop four and a half points this week. Another team I dropped four and a half points is Oregon State. And this is not a knock on Oregon State. I was off on the number last week against Utah and the line moved against my number. So those are two strikes right there. Also the Christian Gebbia injury. That's something that I had to account for and adjust for. So four and a half may not be big enough, but I did also move Utah up a little bit thinking that maybe I had to split the difference a little bit in that game. Ball State. I moved up Ball State four and a half points and You know, Ball State was a play-on team for Brad Powers last week. Good call from him on the show. I think they've been a play-on team for a lot of people here this season. A lot of people do like their personnel, like how balanced they are on the offensive side, look to maybe be one of the better defensive teams in the MAC this year, where the MAC just doesn't have a whole lot of defense. So Ball State, in, you know, whatever remaining games they have, or of course going into next season, wanted to bump them up a little bit. So I did pop them four and a half points here for this week. Speaking of the MAC, a team that I did move down is Toledo. And I moved Toledo down four points here this week. And, you know, something I think is is pretty important to consider is that the further away you get from a really good head coach, the more difficult it is for for the new head coach to keep up those program standards. And when you look at the Toledo Rockets here, you know, they're starting to get really far removed from the Matt Campbell years. Uh, Matt Campbell's last year, 2015 for Toledo. So basically all indication or all evidence of his tenure there with Toledo pretty much gone now. And last year we saw Toledo take a tumble this year. I think Toledo has fallen short of expectations as well. No knock on Jason Candle. I just don't think he's Matt Campbell, even though he was on Campbell's staff before he left for Iowa state. So this is one where, I think maybe I tried to give Toledo the benefit of the doubt again because of their reputation as a program, but it's just not there right now. So I had to drop them down four points in my power ratings. One team I moved up four, and maybe it was too much after their Sunday performance against USC, but Washington State, I bumped back up a little bit. Their COVID issues should be in the rearview mirror. Bumped them up four points here for this week. Uh, but you know, again, not a great look for them on Sunday against USC. Lastly, one other one I want to mention here, South Alabama. I dropped them down four points. They're generally pretty good in a big underdog role, but I overcompensated for what they did earlier on in the season. And also they fired head coach Steve Campbell. So now they are just kind of going rudderless 
uh, into their final game where, you know, uh, who knows what happens as we go forward here with South Alabama. And, you know, again, this is just something that happens here at this time of the year. And it looks like they don't even have another game uh, left on the schedule. So, you know, a lot of coaching things going to be happening here over the next couple of weeks. And those will be things that I think can impact the point spread. And sometimes it'll be a positive. Sometimes it'll be a negative. Uh, you know, those are just things that we kind of have to feel our way with as we go forward here throughout the rest of the regular season and something to remember for future seasons as well. All right, so we'll look at some box score things from last week and some things that kind of stood out to me a little bit. And, you know, I talked about Louisiana and Appalachian State quite a bit last week. I thought Louisiana was in a good spot to, you know, get some revenge against App State, and they did. They won the game outright, but App State minus three in turnover margin in that one, a big reason why Louisiana came away with the win. Really good defensive performance from both units. In this one, the two teams combined to go 18 of 45 passing, combined for 3.4 yards per carry. Now, there were some weather factors in Boone that didn't help uh, the offensive prowess for either team, but it was nice to see both teams play really well defensively. And I think this is an important thing as we go forward here with a lot of these teams. Look at how they perform defensively. Offensively, you know, that may be a function of the other team's defense kind of quitting on the season or something like that. But when you get a really big defensive performance, that means that that team is still engaged. That means that that team is still out there playing hard, still out there fighting. Yeah, we're going to see some big shootouts and some very high point totals and stuff like that as everybody just tries to put up numbers and you know improve their draft film and, and everything else. But when you get two teams that play a really solid defensive game, those are two teams I think you want to play on in subsequent weeks because they are still trying Uh, For App State, impressive to see them still trying to the degree that they are uh, because they're not going to be in the Sun Belt Championship game for the first time since that was established and also not getting a piece of the Sun Belt Conference Championship for the first time since, I believe, 2014. So good to see them have the effort that they had despite losing there to Louisiana uh, 24-21. Clemson and Virginia Tech. So this game wound up being kind of a lopsided score uh, in a lot of ways here, but This was one where Clemson only outgained Virginia Tech by 100 yards. Clemson was plus two in turnover margin. They had a strip six. They recovered a fumble at the Virginia Tech 12 that led to a short field touchdown. So that was one where, you know, I think that one was a little bit misleading uh, with Clemson and Virginia Tech. So one that you may want to take a little bit of an extended look at there uh, as you're handicapping going forward with those two teams. Texas A&M was trailing Auburn 20 to 14 going into the fourth quarter, but 47 carries for 313 rushing yards. A&M just wore Auburn down in the second half of that game. They come away with the victory. I think it was 31 to 20, something like that. But A&M, they're playing great in the trenches this year. I know that's something I've talked about on the show here so far this season that it's been kind of an issue for Jimbo Fisher teams in the past. It is not an issue for A&M this year. A very, very impressive fourth quarter for them against Auburn, finally wearing the Tigers down. I definitely have to give them a lot of credit for that performance, to say the least. Iowa State, 42-6 to over West Virginia. And usually when you get a blowout like this, you see some turnover margin things or something like that. We did not see that in this game. This was a straight-up 42-6 to ass-kicking 
from Iowa State. West Virginia was even 7 of 17 on third down. Two sad field goals for them. They missed a field goal, a couple turnovers on downs. They couldn't stop Iowa State, and Iowa State didn't want to slow down. Iowa State, 7.2 yards per play, only 8 of 12 on third down. So only 12 third down attempts from Iowa State. They just simply moved the football very, very effectively in that game, just up and down the field, really marching uh, on the West Virginia defense. And we see a line move here this week with Oklahoma taking money against West Virginia with the Mountaineers coming off of that lackluster defensive effort. And the thing that's interesting about that is Oklahoma only had 4.6 yards per play against Baylor this past weekend. And Baylor's not having a great season you know, for whatever data points that they have. But to hold Oklahoma to 4.6 yards per play is a very impressive showing from the Bears' defense. So interesting to see Oklahoma money coming in against West Virginia, even though Oklahoma's data point last week wasn't super impressive. So that's something I think is definitely worth watching here as we go forward uh, with the betting odds for Oklahoma and West Virginia. Coastal Carolina had the ball for 38 minutes against BYU. What a game that was. Game of the year candidate, at least so far here. Coastal getting that tackle on the two-yard line as time expired to win the game. We are seeing money come in against Coastal here this week, though, against the Troy Trojans. And this situationally is a move I definitely understand. Off of a very physical game against BYU, they've got bigger aspirations against Louisiana in the Sunbelt title game next week. Uh, Coastal now, what, top 10, I think, in, uh, or they're 13th in the coaches' poll, something like that. We'll see what their college football playoff ranking looks like, but that is not an easy spot for Coastal Carolina this week against Troy. But they did what they do best. You know, they they controlled the clock. They moved the chains. They kept the other team's offense off the field. It's a recipe for success for Coastal Carolina. We'll see what they do here against Troy, and we'll also see as we go forward here now that South Carolina has hired Shane Beamer, who's interested in Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina, that will definitely be worth watching. TCU and Oklahoma State. Now, we usually talk about turnover margin in terms of lopsided losses. How about TCU here? They beat Oklahoma State 29-22. to They had five turnovers in the game. They were minus four in turnover margin and still beat Oklahoma State. That is a very bad look, a very poor data point for the Oklahoma State Cowboys here. And it would tell me that Baylor is the right side in this week's game between Oklahoma State and Baylor. Now that lines up to four and a half or five and a half uh, last I looked. But Baylor with a pretty good defensive effort against Oklahoma. Credit to them for that. They're still playing hard. Oklahoma State can't even win a game when they're plus four in turnovers. I think Baylor is the side in that one. So that is a play on my short list here early in the week. I'm kind of curious which way that line moves, but it's definitely a game on my radar for week 15 here. As I mentioned, five Grant Wells interceptions for Marshall in the 20-0 loss to Rice. One of them was a pick six. Marshall, a plus territory punt. Rice fumbled at the Marshall goal line. Pretty sloppy game overall there, especially on the Marshall side, but uh, an impressive win nonetheless for the Rice Owls. Texas Tech only beat Kansas 16-13. to Texas Tech minus four in turnover margin in that one. Kansas, though, one for five on fourth down in that game. So they kind of negated their turnover advantage 
Uh, they're plus four in that department. But uh, Texas Tech, just this is not a good football team. And Matt Wells not there, not coaching. I think he's got COVID, but this is just not a good Texas Tech football team. I don't know if they have any games left here on the card, but uh, I, I would not be looking to play Texas Tech at all whatsoever in their remaining games. And also, too, I think they're a fade team opening up next season as well, where Matt Wells just doesn't seem to be working out all that well in Lubbock. Nebraska won. Nebraska beat Purdue. I think 31-21 was the final there. Only the third time in the Scott Frost era that Nebraska didn't have a turnover. Scott Frost era, of course, beginning with the 2018 season. So doesn't happen often. We've talked about this a lot. Nebraska's biggest issue is turning the football over. They didn't do it, and they beat Purdue. So that's a pretty simple recipe, I think, for Nebraska. It is very hard to expect them not to turn the ball over. But no turnovers for them. They pick up a win. Pretty simple to explain there in that one. Akron and Bowling Green, awful football game. Uh, Akron had a blocked punt touchdown. Bowling Green fumbled a punt return. They had a pick deep in their own territory. Akron scored 17 points off of those. Did drop Bowling Green in my power ratings. Did not move Akron up at all for what it's worth. Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan, a big-time shootout in this one. Western Michigan minus three in turnover margin. That was the difference in the game. They outgained Eastern by about a full yard per play. So Western Michigan remains a very explosive offense, a very poor defense. A lot of overs coming your way in Western Michigan games here this season. And, you know, we'll see what happens with their personnel for next year. Uh, But right now, if there are any remaining Western Michigan games, I think the over is very clearly the way to look in those. I don't know why. But Arkansas State continuing to do this two-quarterback thing. Lane Hatcher in last week's game, 11 of 14, 326 yards, five touchdowns. I think that one was against Louisiana Monroe. Logan Bonner was terrible with his stat line. Hatcher was not. I don't know why these teams keep doing this, but you know they still go by that uh, quarterback tandem and, and whatever else. I don't get it, but uh, you know whenever Lane Hatcher's out there, maybe some opportunities to live bet Arkansas State because he seems to do a lot better with this offense than Bonner does. Boston College had 520 passing yards against Virginia. They had 513 total yards. So Boston College has been very weird to figure out this season. They threw the football a ton early on in the year. Then they started running the ball again. Now they threw it a lot in that game against Virginia this past weekend. Uh, The backup quarterback there, Jerkovich, actually wound up not being cleared. That line came down from six and a half to four, back up to six and a half. Virginia with the win and cover. Um, Doesn't seem like we're going to get the opportunity to really go against Virginia. I did last week with Boston College. They didn't get to the window. Uh, Virginia with Virginia Tech this week. Tough to go against Virginia uh, with Virginia Tech having so many issues. So, you know, Virginia, a team in line for regression, but maybe we're running out of time for it to actually happen here. San Diego State won 29 to 17. But San Diego State, that was against Colorado State, 3.43 yards per play on offense. San Diego State had a kick return touchdown, a punt return touchdown, and ran a kickback for a 17 yard field goal drive. So San Diego State getting a lot of special teams in that 29 to 17 win. Their offense is actually very, very bad, as we know. I'd be on BYU this week against San Diego State, and that is probably my biggest overlay of Week 15 here is to back BYU against San Diego State. 
South Carolina minus four in turnover margin against Kentucky. And uh, look, I think this is one of those scenarios where you, you really wonder about South Carolina, not just this year, but next year as well. Shane Beamer will come in. He was on the Lincoln Riley coaching staff at Oklahoma. He's a Charleston native. I think South Carolina should be excited about the hire, but I just don't think there's a whole lot of talent in Columbia right now for Beamer to work with. Uh, You're going to have to completely restart now again because he won't keep Mike Bobo around. At least South Carolina's offense should be a lot better going forward with Beamer coming with some of the concepts, the RPO stuff from Riley. I do like that. I do like their future down the line, but it's going to take some time to build this thing up in Columbia. So South Carolina will be a team I probably have power rated about as low as I've ever had them heading into the 2021 season. Fresno State here. How about this? 599 yards for them, only 26 points. Had a couple of fumbles. They were three for seven on fourth down. So they had four turnovers on downs. Their quarterback, Jake Hayner, 41 of 65 for 485 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Fresno State, probably a little bit of a positive regression candidate. And also, I think going forward with that hire of Kalen DeBoer, Fresno State will be a play-on team for me heading into 2021. And it's never a bad idea to start thinking about that late in the college football season here, sort of positioning yourself in your power ratings to have play-on teams for the upcoming season. Lastly, Wyoming, 1 of 11 on third down in their loss to New Mexico, 1 of 3 on fourth down. I have no idea how in the hell Wyoming lost that game to New Mexico. They were an 18-point favorite. The line moved up over the course of the week. They still weren't able to get that victory. I... I don't know how you lose that game outright, but I will say this as we transition to looking at week 15, a little bit here, I do like Wyoming against Boise state this week. That's one of my big power ratings overlays. I've got Wyoming plus six in that one. I'm seeing 12 and a half and 13 out in the market at the places that do have something posted on that game. Actually Wyoming plus six and a half. That's one of my big overlays here for this week is Wyoming at home against Boise state. So that's one that I may take a look at here as this week goes along. As far as some other ones that I'm looking at here, this line is still six and a half in some places. I like Pitt against Georgia Tech. I think Pitt's a pretty good team. Georgia Tech, I don't think they're great. I know they played well here. I doubt they've returned from some of their COVID issues, but they have major turnover issues themselves. Pitt takes good care of the football. They sack the quarterback a lot. You got a freshman quarterback for Georgia Tech that does hold on to the football too long. I like Pitt on Thursday night. Find a six and a half. I think seven will be the number pretty much market wide. I have it 10 and a half. So I do like Pitt in that one uh, on Thursday night. That's one of my bigger overlays of the week here. Wake Forest is one that I do have. Uh, I have Wake Forest, a three point favorite against Louisville. The market is moving towards my number in that game. Like I talked about last week, Wake Forest has one turnover on the season. Louisville's had all kinds of problems taking care of the football. So Wake Forest on the money line, one I think is worth going ahead and taking here uh, as we kind of look through this week 15 card. A lot of games that still really aren't posted across the market as of yet. You know, some COVID concerns, quarterback concerns, all those types of things. As I said, I do like Baylor here, plus five. Uh, My line is plus three. So this is just more of a kind of the state of the two programs type of play rather than a big power ratings overlay or anything like that. I just don't think Oklahoma State is still super invested. They've got a lot of things going on. Baylor with a first-year head coach. 
everybody's still trying to fight for playing time and all of that. Plus Oklahoma State off of last week, plus four in turnover margin, and they still can't win the game. I do like Baylor. You can find plus five out there. This one has come down to four and a half, though. So you might want to jump on this one because I'm not sure it's going to get that much higher out there in the marketplace. I got to lean on Auburn against Mississippi State. I have Auburn minus 11. That line is seven, pretty much market-wide. I don't know where Mississippi State kind of stands. Mike Leach kind of blowing off some of his uh, coaches, you know, call-in show, um, you know, uh, not requirements, but uh, appointments, I guess I could say. I don't know what the state is of that Mississippi State football team. I think Auburn, after what happened in the game against Alabama and then blowing that fourth-quarter lead last week, I think they rally a little bit here, but I understand why it's tough to take them uh, laying seven on the road. As you look through the rest of the card here, you know, I don't really see a significant amount of value. I do think Appalachian State against Georgia Southern is a decent play. I don't have any power ratings value on that. My number is minus nine, markets nine or nine and a half. But like I said, App State with that big defensive performance last week against Louisiana, I think they can shut down Georgia Southern. I think they can do enough to win that game on offense. So I do like App State a little bit in that matchup. Akron and Buffalo is a bit of an overlay for me. I got Buffalo minus 38. Markets got 32. As I said, I don't think Akron is as good as what their box score suggested last week over Bowling Green. It wasn't that big of a blowout. So Buffalo would be the only way I would look in that game. So that's kind of an interesting one. Like Eastern Michigan a little bit against Northern uh, Illinois. My line's nine and a half, market at four and a half. So a little bit of an overlay in that one. LSU in Florida is kind of interesting to me because two weeks ago, Kentucky was plus 23 and a half against Florida. Now LSU is plus 23 and a half against Florida. And I'm not saying I love LSU by any means, but LSU's still, even with all the talent that they've lost for this season, they're still a far more talented team than Kentucky in my estimation. So I kind of lean LSU in that one, but I also wonder if the Tigers are just ready for this season to be over with the way that everything's kind of playing out for them. So kind of a tough spot, sort of a trickier game, but that is one that I'm kind of considering here a little bit. As I said, San Diego State and BYU is a big overlay for me. I have BYU minus 25 in that game, market 14 and a half, a lower scoring expectation in that one. So maybe I regress my number to 23, 22, something like that, but still a big overlay for me. I think San Diego State is terrible. And I think BYU wants to bounce back from that loss. So I do like BYU in that one. Navy and Army. That's a pretty big favorite role for Army, who was favored in 2018 for the first time since, I believe, 2001. They did lose last year 31-7 to after winning three straight over Navy. This one is in West Point. This one is at Army. It's not a neutral site game for the first time in basically forever. My line's only two and a half here, though. So... This one's a little bit high for me. I don't know if I will play this game. I think it's kind of a tough game to play, but it is one that's sort of on my short list here that I'm taking a look at with Navy on the road at Army. So do have some power ratings overlays. Do have some games that are of interest here for this week. Check out the article over at ATS.io with my power ratings and also all of my market numbers. Uh, And hopefully you've learned some things here over the course of this regular season with how to put together power ratings, the process of adjusting them, the idea of using box score research to help you find some line value early on in the week. 
These are all very important topics, very important things you can carry forward to any season. Uh, you know, I know it's a little bit tough coming out of this weird COVID year, but a lot of this stuff does have good value going forward if you take the time to do it. And, you know, we'll have a full off season now where if you need some help with your power ratings, you reach out to me on Twitter at skating tripods, email me skating tripods at gmail.com. And I'll probably do some stuff over the summer at ATS.io or maybe even in the spring talking about how I sort of go through my power ratings process, maybe get some uh, quotes and some, you know, background from some professional handicappers that I really respect on how they put together their power ratings. I think that would be helpful for everybody and maybe something that we can incorporate uh, for next season here. But college football is not done. We just go to conference championship games next week, the smattering of regular season games. Then we'll be able to talk about the bowl games for however many of those there actually are. Coming up on Tuesday, it'll be an all-NFL show with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. As I said, Wednesday, we'll chat college basketball and college football with Kyle Hunter. Thursday, college football and NFL with Brad Powers. Friday, Circa Picks for Week 14. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.